This is a broadcast of SmallCapVoice.com, a financial communications and investor relations firm. SmallCapVoice.com receives payment for investor relations and financial consulting services that it provides to its clients. You should assume that officers, directors, and employees of SmallCapVoice.com or financial analysts mentioned and their families hold a position and intend to trade in these securities for their own accounts. This is not an offer or recommendation to buy or sell securities. Information in this broadcast is presented solely for informative purposes and is not intended to be nor should it be construed as investment advice. As in all investments, an investment in a featured company carries an investment risk. Listeners should review the company thoroughly with a registered investment advisor or registered stockbroker. This broadcast does not purport to be a complete study of the featured company or other companies mentioned. Information used and statements of fact have been obtained from the featured company and other sources but not verified nor guaranteed by smallcapvoice.com as to completeness or accuracy. Such information is subject to change without notice. You're wired in smallcapvoice.com. Following is a presentation of smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support. Now, with your online business briefing, smallcapvoice.com's Stuart T. Smith. Welcome back, everybody, to another online business briefing brought to you by smallcapvoice.com. As you just heard, I'm your host, Stuart Smith, and this is our online business briefing where we shine a spotlight on some of the smartest and freshest plays here in the market today. We are speaking today with Q Biomed Incorporated. Now, their ticker symbol is QBIO. Their website is qbiomed.com, and we are speaking with Dennis Corrin. He is the president, CEO, and chairman of the company. Use that ticker symbol, QBIO. Find that shareholder update on the press wire. Lots of great information in there, but we're going to add color to that information today by speaking with Dennis directly. Dennis, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks very much for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to call in. Now, Q Biomed is not your typical biotech company. If you would, describe your company and its business model for us. Sure. Thanks. So I sometimes refer to Q Biomed as an upside-down biotech company. And the reason for that is, in my experience and in my career, I've seen so many innovative biotechnology ideas and drug development programs you know, sort of spawned in the laboratory or some early-stage development success kind of grow into this uh, sort of massive and expensive and very long-in-the-tooth company where, you know, the technology is invented by an inventor or a scientist, grown up, shoestring budgeted together, uh, and they end up spending and raising, you know, friends and family money and running out of money and doing terrible debt-structured financings, and they end up with this huge capital structure, no real money and no real uh, accretive events to the te- technology development that really delivers value for them and their shareholders. And so we, I've said, as I said, I've seen it so many times in the biotech space, and so often those companies fail sort of under their own weight of the financing structures that they've uh, had to put together to develop their technology. So in my years of experience and the network of people and the access to technologies that I have, uh, I said, let's put together a biotechnology that's very specifically, uh, a biotechnology company that's very specifically focused on the capital structure of the company, the business operations, being well-funded, and then go out and look for innovative technologies that we think are underserviced or undervalued or have been somewhat ignored 
that may have some near-term catalysts that we can finance and bring resources to to really show some accretive value to our shareholders. So that's why I call it an upside-down biotech because it really starts with the business and the investor and the return on the investment in mind. And then we go out and look for innovative technologies and ideas to bring into or under our umbrella. Very interesting. And by listening to your response to that, obviously you have been entrenched in this industry for quite some time. So prior to starting Q Biomed, what sorts of technologies and companies were you involved in? Because I understand you've got some valuable experience building biotech, as you just pointed out. You know, I've been in the biotech slash pharma space for, I don't know, 15, 16 years now. Um, I started off in the sales and marketing organizations of big farms like Novartis and Beckman Coulter, and then moved into smaller cap companies and ended up in the, we call it the micro cap or small cap space in the public company sector. Uh, so my experience really, I, I guess the majority of that has been cutting my teeth in the micro cap or small cap biotech sector on the public side. Uh, so as I said, my my vision or my rose-colored glasses, if you like, are really uh, focused on investors and a return on investment and not so much on, you know, how do I take my invention and take it to the next step as uh, as mo- typically most biotechs and scientists approach these businesses. So um, it's a little bit of a different spin on, on how to grow a biotech company, and that's where I think I learned by the School of Hard Knocks, like many CEOs in the microcapital biotech space, uh, really how to put together an effective uh, company build relationships, look for uh, solid assets that have real value and bring them in-house and develop them, uh, you know, on a sh- as I said, on a shoestring budget or a very well or fiduciary responsibly way being run and trying to deliver value for our investors. And then we decide how we're going to invest our capital, and I don't just mean money capital, but strategic human capital into those assets to develop them and accelerate their development uh, in as quick a time frame as possible for as little money as possible and accelerate those assets into some kind of monetization. The monetization of these assets is going to be important because ultimately that's what delivers value to us and to our shareholders. Well, as I mentioned at the outset of this interview, listeners, QBiomed provided a shareholder update early here in 2019, and QBiomed appears to be on a very rapid course. A lot of things happened, as pointed out in that update, in 2018. Let's talk about the Metastron acquisition you recently made. What's the thinking behind that? Uh, sure. So Metastron uh, is a global brand that's owned by, was owned by GE Healthcare, and we negotiated the acquisition of that asset from them over the last couple of months, and we closed that deal very recently here in December. Uh, so we're really excited to bring on a drug that's been in the market for several years. It has market authorization in 22 countries, so that really springboards our opportunity to start developing a global revenue stream. Uh, and accelerates that 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 uh, prospect for us significantly quicker than we ever anticipated with our uh, generic version of the drug strontium chloride. The reasoning behind the acquisition of this drug and the whole um, program here is that we believe that the patient population that is serviced by this drug are being underserved uh, quite significantly. So Metastron and strontium chloride 89 is a non-opiate-based pain analgesic for patients that are suffering from late-stage cancer that's metastasized to the bone. Just hearing those words, cancer that's you know moved or metastasized to the bone, you know, sort of should make you feel very uncomfortable as well. It should because it is an extraordinarily painful condition to be suffering from. So as the cancer starts to grow in your bones and push on all the nerves and surrounding tissue, uh, it really creates debilitating pain. And these patients are very heavily dosed 
uh, on the first-line type therapies, which are morphine and fentanyl and other opiate-based drugs. Metastron is a very, very effective palliation drug. There have been over 11 clinical trials that have been done to show how effective it is. It's been in the market for several years. And as opposed to getting four or five doses of uh, opiates, which you know lead to all sorts of side effects and brain fog and constipation and uh, literally leaving some of these patients in zombie-like states, a single injection of metastron or strontium chloride, uh, which takes about a week to reach its maximum potency, but that can last up to six months and sometimes even a year uh, of being pain-free or being able to manage your pain significantly better. Some of the doctors and some of the, you know, the research that we've done as we were moving into this market and doing our due diligence, I, one doctor called this a, a Lazarus-type drug because there are patients that have been literally on, on hospital gurney-type beds or in wheelchairs, and any kind of movement was so painful them, for them to bear that they literally couldn't move. And after being treated with this drug, I had one doctor say, you know, three weeks later of a guy that came in in a wheelchair and just could not move, his wife barged past him as they walked into his office, ran up to the doctor and told him, could you please tell him to stop mowing the lawn? He's got cancer, for goodness sake. So here's a guy who was literally on his bed, couldn't move, and three weeks later was out mowing the lawn and just getting on with his daily life, as many of these patients should be able to do at this stage of their disease, you know, live their lives in, in as best quality as possible, as pain-free as possible, being able to spend time with their families and their loved ones and doing the things that they love to do, whether it's golfing or bowls or gardening or just being outdoors and, and living a, a, a better quality of life, uh, disease progression. So. We know that the drug has been underutilized. We think there's a huge opportunity for us to rebrand and reintroduce this uh, drug to the market. It hasn't been marketed for several years. Uh, it was not part of GE's core product offering. And, uh, uh, you know, quite honestly, they kind of ignored it. And uh, this gives us the opportunity to really focus the messaging and get this back into the oncology um, departments and radio-oncology departments, not only in the U.S., but around the world and drive the message that there is a very effective non-opiate-based uh, therapy for these late-stage cancer patients that's very, very effective. I'd like to add that uh, not only is this a great palliation drug, but there are several studies over the years that this has been in the market that show overall survival benefits to this drug as well. Several phase two clinical trials that have been done that show very significant survival benefit uh, when used in combination with other chemotherapeutics. This is also something that's been ignored and why we see incredible value in the brand Metastron and in our program. Uh, our intention here is to take some of the phase two data, phase two clinical trials, and reinvigorate them and present this data to the FDA in as short a time frame as possible to get the labeling expanded from just a pain palliation drug to an actual cancer therapeutic drug. And for your listeners and those that are interested, I'm sure you're aware that a cancer therapeutic drug has a very significantly larger sort of dollar value or value attached to it than just a pain palliation drug. Uh, a very similar drug in this space that has a, an extremely limited uh, indication for a very small patient population in the prostate cancer sector uh, does about $800 million a year in revenue with a very small overall survival benefit. So we see a huge opportunity here for to expand the label as a therapeutic drug, and our indication is significantly larger than that other drug, uh, with basically all comers, so all uh, solid-form tumors that have metastasized to the bone, uh, we think we'll be able to attach, uh, attack that entire patient population as a therapeutic drug, and then that takes our revenue projections into you know, several hundred million dollars if we can prove that, uh, that, that clinical data out in a, in a clinical trial or a post-marketing study. So... 
along with the revenue that comes with Metastron and the Strontium product as a palliation drug, we see a very, very significant blue sky or a big uh, sort of moonshot opportunity with this drug uh, at the tip of our pipeline as a, as a commercial opportunity. Fascinating. And what an incredible validation you provided for Metastron as well. Well, Dennis, right now, the word on the street about QBiomed is that you've got some potentially transformative catalysts coming up. Uh, can you talk about any of them with us today? Sure. So I think what's really important is you know, for your listeners and for our shareholders that are following along is that uh, we now have a very deep pipeline of uh, very significant products and, uh, and value opportunities and catalysts and milestones with each of those assets as we progress into this year. And a lot of the focus over the last year or so has been on the strontium chloride or metastron asset because it's close to commercialization. And I guess the first real uh, sort of commercial catalyst with that is we're awaiting FDA approval of the manufacturing facility uh, in uh, South Texas to be um, approved by the FDA. And once that happens, we'll, you know, we'll be in, uh, in a position to start producing the drug commercially and selling it uh, in the United States. And then we'll start to move that, that uh, application and the approval of that facility into the international jurisdictions for the Metastron brand. So that's a very significant catalyst. I think a lot of people have been waiting for that, as we have, and we've gone through several rounds of questions and answers with the regulator. Uh, and that approval could come at, uh, you know, at any time. So we're really excited about that and looking forward to commercializing a product here uh, and certainly in this quarter, uh, of first, first quarter of 2019. But I'd really like to draw attention to the fact that there's so much beyond that as well. And really importantly, the next asset on our pipeline, if people do look on our website um, or on our uh, PowerPoint presentation, is a drug we call QBM001. Um, this is a treatment for a rare pediatric nonverbal autistic spectrum disorder. Uh, and that's quite a mouthful, I understand, but... Uh, as everybody knows, autism and the autistic spectrum disorders that go with the with the, the disease state are are very complicated and very complex. And we, we're really excited to be looking at a product here that can uh, address a very small subset of that patient population, but a, a one that's in desperate need of a solution. So these are very young children, somewhere between the age of two and five, that because of this autistic spectrum disorder, eventually or they either stop learning how to speak or communicate, or they never learn how to speak or communicate and become minimally or nonverbal uh, for the rest of their lives. So you can imagine that affliction for them and their parents, uh, their caregivers, just uh, you know, their entire family unit or community around them never being able to actually have a conversation with, with anybody or a parent not being able to have a conversation with their child. So emotionally, it's extremely debilitating. Uh, we see significant upside and significant opportunity for these patients to be able to continue to live somewhat normal lives, certainly being able to communicate much better with their parents and their families. And right now, there's absolutely no therapy available to them. So this is a rare disease opportunity for us. As I mentioned, about 50,000 patients around the world. We expect to be putting this drug uh, into the clinic in the summertime of 2019. So Talking about catalysts, leading up to that, there'll be several catalysts as we put the pre-IND package into the regulators, get the IND in and approved uh, to start that clinical program. Uh, we recently announced the, uh, a partnership with SRI International, which is a manufacturing and formulation company that are putting all of the components of the drug together for us to start that clinical program. So there's some really significant catalysts coming up there. And because it's such a short clinical program, it'll only last about 12 to 18 months. And again, with only 50,000 patients and a rare disease, you're looking at about a $5 billion a year market in that rare disease space. So it's a very short timeline, 
uh, from a clinical development standpoint, at the end of that sort of 12 to 18 months is a very, very significant market opportunity for us uh, on, an, on an economic basis, as I said, not to mention um, the uh, sort of environmental effect that it'll have and the uh, emotional impact that it'll have on these patients and their families. So I encourage people to do a little bit of reading on that and just see what a huge opportunity that is uh, for us as a company. And uh, we've already had significant interest from all of the hospitals that are looking to participate in our clinical trial, as well as some of the big advocacy groups uh, out there in the autism space uh, that are really excited about the opportunity and the prospect of something to help these very young kids uh, move forward with their lives. Well, listeners, once again, we're speaking with Dennis Korn, President and CEO and Chairman of QBioMed. The company is traded on the OTCQB under the ticker symbol QBIO. Go ahead and find more information about the company at their website, QBioMed.com. Well, Dennis, I'd love to have you back to talk about the importance and markets for some of the drugs that are both in your pipeline and are already in your portfolio. But from now, If you could, talk to me about the programs we may see INDs, which stands for Investigational New Drugs Listeners, or data for in the first half of 2019, if not sooner. Sure. So, um, specifically, INDs, uh, we're expecting to get uh, the IND for QBM001 in in the first half of 2019 and start that clinical program in the summer of 2019, and that's uh, for the drug for the uh, uh, rare pediatric nonverbal autism spectrum disorder drug. Uh, so we expect that to happen uh, in the first quarter here with the pre-IND application, and then the IND application will follow that fairly shortly after that, and then the clinical program to start in the summer. Um, we're also hoping to have an IND prepared and some pre-IND meetings for uterocyte B, which is our liver cancer drug, uh, towards the end of the first half of this year and into uh, the second half of this year to start that clinical program or get um, uh, the, uh, the hospital's uh, lined up to start that clinical program later this year or very early next year. Uh, that's also a very exciting opportunity for us. Very few drugs in the liver cancer treatment space um, and uh, just a massive market. It's one of the only cancers where the cancer incidence rates and treatment rates are actually increasing uh, rather than decreasing. So it's a really important therapeutic, and we're excited to be bringing that forward. Um, MANA-1 or the MANA assets, uh, which is a pipeline um, all on its own of uh, uh, a platform technology with several pipeline assets, and at the first one we're looking at is topical eye drops for the treatment of glaucoma. There's a massive, massive market, 70 million people around the world suffering from glaucoma, and no real new drugs have been marketed in the space for 20 years. Uh, we spent the last three years isolating molecules uh, and getting this ready for a topical eye drop treatment, and uh, we expect that work to be completed here in the first half of this year and the IND to be prepared and submitted uh, in the second half of the year. Uh, and again, that's a massive blockbuster opportunity for us, and we're really looking forward to putting that into a proof-of-concept clinical trial. Um, but because of the size and scope of that drug, there's already been a significant amount of interest uh, from other uh, pharmaceutical companies in that platform and what we're doing. So uh, as the catalyst goes, we think getting into the clinic and getting the IND prepared uh, are going to be great catalysts. Uh, but there could be some other interests from a business development standpoint as well that would be some great validations for us uh, as we move those platform technologies forward as well. Well, Dennis, I want to thank you so much for your time today, your personal insight into your industry and, of course, your company. We look forward to great things from you and your company here in 2019 and well beyond. Thanks for your time today, Dennis. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. For Dennis Corn, this is Stuart Smith of smallcapvoice.com saying thanks so much for listening. 
Smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support, provides its clients with the highest level of service. Our audio interviews are disseminated to one of the largest opt-in audiences available today. How? We at smallcapvoice.com believe in aligning and affiliating ourselves with other leaders within the investor relations community. By sharing resources, each affiliated firm is made that much stronger and each client is served that much better. Our focus is to identify and provide the very best financial services and solutions available to clients and their shareholders. For more information about our services, please call us at 512-267-2430 or visit us on the web at www.smallcapvoice.com.